Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Let's go. Welcome to Citizen. We have a very special guest. I have no idea how to say your last name. Pachesa. Pachesa, okay. Because it's been chachi to me ever since I've known you. You bet. <laughs> so, but you're, uh, <clears throat> we've had you on before with, uh, we actually just brought up with uh, John Troxel, the former SEAC. And we talked about a lot of stuff, leadership and stuff. You actually run, uh, in addition to the work you do with Black Rifle, which we'll get into in a few minutes, you run a leadership school or a leadership academy. What do you call it? Yeah. So, yeah. So, uh, SEAC Troxel and I put together a leadership ac- academy in addition to leadership consulting and things of that nature. But he and I just want to get past some of the platitudinal stuff and get to the meat of what leadership is and get it to the masses. So many people can't afford it. So we're putting together a program that, you know, the lowest private can afford to do this or their units can afford to have us. And when you say, um, avoid the platitudinal stuff, I mean, I assume you're talking about the rah, rah, um, you know, three sentence paragraph about how you should organize your life bullshit. Right. You know, there's, and, and they're, they're, they're all great companies, not trying mm-hmm. to take any, but they all do the same stuff. They all sure, teach yeah. the same motivational thing, which ends up being fleeting, right? So what right. are they giving of substance? What are you, what have they created that's mm-hmm. going to make their lives better? And that's what John and I have put together. Pretty yeah. exciting. Well, I mean, two, you, you couldn't get two better guys to do it, to be honest. Oh, uh, I not, appreciate Not that. to blow smoke up your ass, but uh, you've got a pretty storied career in leading young men, especially. I mean, that's what we do. You is bet. We turn teenagers into men really which is something that's in oh man we're in short supply these days i was just talking last night to some people about this and i've 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 racked my brain and just in the in the broader western society but particularly here in america i don't see the rites of passage anymore right that that where a young man now knows he's a man right right it's completely absent well, and then it's, it's, it goes back to, I have, I've got three kids, like 17, eight, and two. Like, you know, the job of a parent isn't to remove obstacles from their kid's path. It's give them the skills 
to help them overcome those obstacles. Right. And I think that's what more young adults mm-hmm. need for that passage well, it's resilience, in, into manhood. Right? Yeah. Absolutely. It's it's so Greg Lukanoff and uh and and Jonathan Haidt say this in the coddling of the American mind. Prepare your children for the road, don't prepare the road for your children. One hundred percent. Right. I think that's a really profound statement. And it's I, I do understand it. The idea, I'm not, I'm not a parent. I've got a, a, a stepkid. I'm not a parent myself, but I understand the idea of loving someone and not wanting to see them in pain. I get it, yep. right? But safetyism as it is these days, I mean, you're, you're essentially just delaying the pain, right? Like I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop you from experiencing a little bit of pain right now, but down the road you're going to experience way more pain. You know, and I'm quite honestly probably one of the biggest perpetrators of being a helicopter parent. Mm-hmm. Right. So I've had to purposefully get my way, get out of my own way to let my kids suffer. Because you're a man, you have like the purpose of masculinity is to provide and protect. And it's a fine line between shielding them from the world and, and you know, protecting them in the long term Comple- by, by letting them learn lessons and things like that. Complete. And there, there was a phrase I heard just a, a couple of weeks ago. It says, if you raise your children, you can play with your grandchildren. But if you play with your children, you'll raise your grandchildren. Uh, that's a really good thought. Yeah, I like that. And, and I and that was so simplistically profound mm-hmm. that just in the recent weeks, I've been tougher on my kids based on that very premise. Yeah, I mean, I like this idea of leadership because I think it's one of the primary things that's missing in, in American culture these days. Um, one of the principles of this show is uh, that no matter where I am, I'll be a leader, right? And then the second part of that is... Le- as a leader, I will eat last, sure. right? Like it's, I like to do, I mean, maybe this is just the 82nd Airborne indoctrination, you know what I mean? But I like to task and goal-oriented stuff. If you're, if you're going nowhere, that's exactly where you're going to get. So you got to have a plan, right? You have to have a plan. I have to know what my benchmarks are, and I have to know when I've hit them, and then what phase two, three, four of that plan is, so on and so forth. And... It all, from my perspective, leadership is about, <clears throat> it's about training force multipliers. In the military, it's training force mul- multipliers to be able to do combat better. In life, it's training force multipliers to be able to do, to be, for our society to be better, right? Sure. And I, so from your perspective, you, you talk about leadership a lot. It's, it's kind of your job, actually, to sure, do sure. that. So take me through some of the platitudes that you don't like and how you what you would replace them with. So there's there's a number one you had just have to start with the definition of leadership. Mm. And we could talk about this for for hours upon end because you know there's there's it's it's so cliche now that you can be a retired E9 from the military and you're going to start a leadership company, which is mm. exactly what I did, right? Yep. So so I am I'm part of that mechanism. Other than you really have to explore what leadership is mm. in its purest form. Like what what does that look like what does that feel like how, how do you define it and what i've settled on is <clears throat> you can't define leadership right because you could try and define leadership but that would be akin to trying to define love correct yeah because it means something different it to means everybody something different in every different circumstance absolutely well, like yeah. the way that i love my kids is the way that i differently than i love my mm. wife or my pets or my brother or my parents or my best friends or teammates right these are all different kinds of love right and there's different kinds of leadership but the cool part in, in peeling this onion is that leadership is a lot like love insofar as it is a byproduct. 
It is a byproduct of a connection that we have with another individual at a bare minimum, if not team, right? But in order to get that, uh, you know, in order to get that connection, you need successful engagements. In order to have successful engagements, you need to speak inside the construct of a communication mechanism that makes sense. Right. Perfect yeah. example for from our world and, and your your history with, with JT is mm. what, like uh, I'm I'm writing a book with a, a retired Air Force Colonel A10 pilot mm. essentially titled um, Why an Airstrike is the Perfect Conversation. Mm. It's like why do airstrikes work all the time? Right. Every time with hardly any hiccups, you kill the enemy, you hardly ever so so amazingly rarely hit a friendly force or a civilian and all that stuff because we're trained to have this amazing conversation. We're attacking the conversation from two different viewpoints, but we're able to engage because we know the fundamentals of that interaction. But right. but going back to the thing like so so leadership is a byproduct of that connection. And so like like leaders fail all the time because if you're to show up battalion, be like, hey, uh, I care about you. Mm-hmm. Uh, so tell, tell tell me your life story. Okay, cool. Go go clean the latrine. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's like, it's almost an active listening kind of situation, right? Where you're the, the, I, this, this is something that I, that I see as pervasive throughout failures, failures and leadership, but also internally about people's identity in the West. Now it used to be very clear who we were and what we were meant to do. Right. And now through, for a variety of different reasons, life is more complicated. Now there's more choices. So there's more possibility to make a bad one. Right. But there's also the, the, paralysis by analysis situation where people can't figure out like there's too many options just they it, they have a problem distilling it down and when i think about leadership like that or or any other kind of maxim in our lives if you're having trouble with the definition particularly if if if, if it's for you personally ultimately it boils down to what the what the intent is right like what am i trying to accomplish with this well yeah so i you know i, I would say realistically leadership is just caring, mm-hmm. right? Because you can manage people, you can tell them to do something, that's authoritarian, you're getting them to do something, and that's authoritarian, or that's management. But if you care, then that can be leadership. So you can't be a leader if you don't care. Now, what you care about, that becomes a very nebulous concept, mm-hmm. or if you don't have the core, if you don't have the metal tasks to be a leader, like if, if, if let's say you're a narcissist, mm-hmm. and I treat you leadership principles, I just created a master manipulator. Right because you don't have the fundamental skills required to be a leader. Right. And this is something that, that, that John and I are, are exploring. So, so many people, leadership is beyond them because they don't care mm-hmm. or they don't care about the right stuff. They don't care about that human being right. or they're holding on to legacy, archaic military bullshit that died long ago, but they haven't evolved past it. Right, yeah. I mean, it's like command, it's like intent versus, like the letter of the law versus the spirit of the law, sure. right? I mean, you sure, gotta, sure, sure. Yeah, this, is, this is another function of our failure in society is teaching people what to think instead of how to think, right? Completely. And it's a, it's a huge, it's a huge misunderstanding that a lot of people have about the military where it's like everybody's brainwashed and trained to think alike. That's not true at all. No. Like if you're, if you're, if you're in the military and you find yourself in a situation where uh, the command is more concerned with uniformity than resilience and flexibility, then you're in a bad command, in my opinion. And it happens a lot, particularly in the big army, right? Sure. Because people are risk averse. They're afraid of, they, they need the OER that, that looks clean to get their next promotion. And, you know, that isn't just their fault, frankly, because the system incentivizes that type of behavior. Oh, completely. So <laughs> yeah. that, that, that is a systemic issue in, in leadership, not just in the military, but right. in families, in the corporate world. And it's got to be something that you tear down. And, and it's, that's why I say 
you have to bring it back to intent. Completely. Right? That's the only way that any of this works. Well, and then le- leaders need to run with scissors. Mm. Right? Like, yeah. if you know where you you're going. Chances, and, and yeah. you, you, you absolutely do, right? I mean, shit, run with scissors. Take, 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 the, take some risks. Take the capabilities of your amazing team and d- take it for a test drive. See yeah. what happens. Yeah, Beautiful sure. shit happens. Like, how else? I, I just don't see any other way to do it. Right. Otherwise, you're stuck in the mud. And, you know, it, it, it's not to be too flippant about it, but it's like that... Uh, it's like that scene in, in Apocalypse Now where he's in the hotel room and he's like, Charlie's out in the jungle getting stronger. Right. But that's the reality of the situation. And, you know, as an infantryman, I am taught to every increment of time I spend at a location to continuously fortify my position. Like if I'm going to be there for an hour, I set up a perimeter and maybe an LP. Uh, if I'm, if I'm going to be there for a day, I dig a ranger grave and put my trucks around me or whatever it is. You know what I mean? And you just keep progressing from that period. But we don't, we don't really do that much. You know what I mean? We kind of just stand still a lot, which seems like a problem. You know, and again, it, and you know, I, I think your, your, your podcast is phenomenal. Like so many people are afraid to speak up or so many people are having to kowtow to this weird, super loud minority right, yeah. of the people who, who are driving so many things. But, and and it, it, it really is crazy because in, in a leadership sense, in, in a wartime sense, in, in, in a combat sense, the the practical application of leadership uh, is not difficult, but it is complex. Mm-hmm. But you just have to care about people. But again, you know the the job of of the military isn't to make sure soldiers never get shot at. Right, that would be insane. Right, that but that's not insane. a military. Right, you yeah. know. So so like a, a lot of the the mentality and modality of contemporary America is mm-hmm. leaning that way. Like oh, safetyism. Yeah, it's right. a big problem. Right. Oh, gosh. Yeah. This episode of Citizen is brought to you by Black Rifle Coffee. Go to BlackRifleCoffee.com and help yourself to some of the best coffee in the world. Join the Black Rifle Coffee Club and get fresh roasted freedom delivered straight to your door. Black Rifle Coffee Company is a veteran-operated company that uh, supports America's military, law enforcement, and first responders. Get premium coffee delivered every month. Here's how it works. You go to the Coffee Club site, sign up for the Coffee Club. You choose your favorite roast, if you like light, dark, medium, whatever it is. Choose uh, the grind, whether you want ground coffee, whole bean, and grind it yourself, or coffee rounds, which work with uh, Keurig. And then you choose your delivery schedule, which is 7, 14, 21, 30 days, and so on. In addition to being able to uh, customize your coffee club, you're also going to get free shipping on all those orders, and you get access to exclusive partner discounts. Uh, You also get first looks at a lot of new merch and things like that. So... To get 20% off your first order, use the code CITIZEN at BlackRifleCoffee.com. Sign up for that coffee club. Next up, we got GhostBed.com. You know them, you love them. It's our favorite company. In the whole world, right now, GhostBed is offering 40% off GhostBed bundles where you get a mattress and an adjustable base. For everything else, the pillows, the sheets, the uh, mattress toppers, the protector, all that stuff, anything else you want, or... The bundle, or I'm sorry, the the mattress or the base uh, by itself. Use the code Drinking Bros at GhostBed.com forward slash Drinking Bros. You're getting 30% off that. So 40% off for the bundle, 30% off everything else using the code Drinking Bros at GhostBed.com forward slash Drinking Bros. Uh, if you break it down, you can get a whole, you can get your mattress and your bedroom suite for like 35 bucks a month because they have a zero down. 0% financing plan that extends up to 60 months. That's five years, folks. Go check it out at GhostBed dot com forward slash drinker bros.
This episode is also brought to you by mybookie.com. You know them and you love them, folks. And it is uh, high time for betting. I know a lot of you lost all your money on the national championship game because Georgia absolutely destroyed TCU. You know, it's going to happen sometimes, but it's time to reload. Now, if you've already used the Drinking Bros code to double your deposit up to 1000 bucks, I got some good news for you. Go ahead and sign up today. Use the promo code American. That's American to secure your first deposit bonus up to 1000 bucks with mybookie.com. Whatever you put in, they'll meet you halfway all the way up to 1000 So if you put in 1000 you're going to get an extra $1,000 to gamble with. We're getting into NFL playoff time. Uh, you got to get those bets in before the end of the week uh, if you really want to get the, the best deal. So make sure you get those deals in. Make sure you get the bets in and get ready, man. Reload your account uh, for, for, let's see, the NFL playoffs. And soon we have March Madness coming up, about a month and a half. That's going to start. Man, it's going to be an exciting time where we can lose a lot of money, uh, but hopefully gain some as well. So getting started is simple. You deposit, uh, uh, you know, 300 bucks, immediately play with 200. Use the promo code AMERICAN to claim the MyBookie uh, deposit bonus. It'll be in your, correct me if I'm wrong, guys, but I believe it goes into your, uh, your free play account. So you get if you let's say you put a thousand bucks in, there'll be a thousand bucks in your account, and then you look on your free play, there'll be another thousand bucks, and it's just like cash. You can bet with either one of those. So whether you're a diehard fan uh, or a newcomer uh, to to gambling, like uh, some some of our other fans are, this is the way to go. Join the MyBookie family, sign up, uh, get that bonus up to a thousand bucks, bet anything, anytime, anywhere with MyBookie. All right, we're back for real this time. <laughs> So it's not tracking your face anymore. It just puts a little box over it. It isn't actually tracking gotcha. your face. Um, <clears throat> anyways, we should all we should be all good now because I'm incompetent. Um, anyways, yeah, this. I like that thing you said about the grandkid thing. That's I've never really thought about it like that, but it does show how, like any other institution in society, it's a muscle, right? You bet. And if you don't work it out, if you don't flex it from time to time, it goes away. Liberties like that, like the tree of liberty, must be refreshed from time to time with the blood of blood patriots. Of patriots. And yeah, absolutely. So it's like, and, and like like pe- people, there there's value in suffering. Sure, there's yeah. value yeah. in knowing what you can tolerate, where where your uh, where where your, your limits are. My, my wife and I are doing the cold bath now in mm-hmm. our pool. That's like thirty eight degrees. But I went in that first day. It was like a minute. By the end of the week, I was in there for twenty two minutes. Yeah, yeah. Just, just yeah. hanging out, right? But I never thought that was my capacity. Mm-hmm. I never knew it. I was like, I'm never doing that. But well, how do you know, right? Right, right. You never you know. know? So, yeah. And so, like, my, my kids, like, I just, I, I, I want them to fail. Absolutely want them to fail because, again, it's not, it's, it's so cliche now. It's absolutely like, you you don't succeed or fail. You succeed or learn. Right, yeah. If you have the presence of mind in which to do so. Well, what's the, God, I can't remember who it was that said this. It was a, maybe a former first lady or maybe it was Madeline Albright. It was some female involved in politics. But she said, this thing we call failure is not the falling down, but the staying down, right? And it's, if we're in the gym and we hit muscle failure, we're like, all right, cool. I'm going to come back. I'm going to take a minute off, come back next week or whatever. But when people have ideas or when they start businesses or whatever else is going on, or even in personal relationships now, and I found myself in the past guilty of this as well, when things start to go bad, you're like, oh, I guess this is just fucked. (laughs) Instead of, instead of how I treat everything else in my life, which is, oh, that didn't work. I'm going to turn this way. 
Like, if you were walking down a path and the path ran out, you wouldn't just fucking lie down on the ground and die. That's fucking stupid, right? You know, and the ego... I got kicked off of a deployment in the spring of 01 in Bosnia. Oh, shit. I got kicked off of a soft deployment. I was an E5, whole long story. But there were a couple years that I floundered Mm. just trying to figure out who Tim Pachesa was. Mm. And and I wish somebody would have taught me this. I had to learn this. took me years to learn this, is that, to your very point, is if I stopped... I had that failure point. Boom, that, that, that happened, right? I got kicked out of a country. If I stopped any endeavor past that, I would have solidified that as a failure. Sure, yeah, absolutely. But on any timeline past that point where I endeavor to do better and learn, I switched that from a failure to a setback if I have the presence of mind in which to do so. Right. It took me years to do that. So, but then now, like, that was not a failure. That was an amazing yeah. setback that I had. And you get and, to decide too, which is I, the important part. Absolutely. And yeah. I, and, and, or, or, or like this, or, or in, in society, you have a choice, Tim or Tor. You mm. can choose to be a victim. Yeah. Or you can choose to be a victor, but it's got to be deliberate. Right. And, and that is on you. And you got to put the work in too. And that's kind of what this, this show is all about. I mean, we're not going to vote our way out of the problems we've caused at this point. It's just we're going to have to shoot happen. our way out. Uh, we may have to, yeah, at some point. And it's like people see this as like I, – I, I don't tell the people this to criticize them or, or anything like that, but we are the author of our own calamity here. We've done this to ourselves. Agreed. We have – instead of what Ben Franklin warned us about, sacrificing uh, liberty for security, we, we sacrifice liberty for convenience, which okay. is a far dumber thing to do, but perhaps – makes more sense it's it's i think it's a little bit easier to look a temporary security issue in the face and say nah fuck that than it is to put down all the things in my life that make it more efficient because i know that there's a cost to be paid for that right like people aren't just going to stop using products made in china and maybe you can't i don't know unless you just my decide wife to go has, live in like, the woods she's been amazing like yeah. she like she looks and scrutinizes and so yeah she she's been amazing but to your very point is that they're not so convenience has really taken over everything and yeah. and I'm I'm guilty of it to a large degree mm-hmm. I'm aware of it and mm-hmm. it, even me being aware still in a lot of cases isn't enough to curb my behavior sure, from yeah. that but and again for a lot of good reasons we got to where we are but again we've identified a problem but no one's excited about fixing the problem well because it, it's inconvenient yeah it is extremely inconvenient not just uh, I mean, I, I have a pro. Like, I don't think the federal government should exist. I, I tell people this all the time, and they look at me like I'm crazy. But if, for you personally, if the federal government just evaporated, it wouldn't affect your life very much. And I don't mean you specifically, sure, but sure. for most people, it would you not know. affect their lives. And in the ways it did affect their lives, we could find solutions for that. And it's the same way with weaning ourselves off of some of this convenience. I think it's a really important, in the same way that subjugating yourself not subjugating, but subjecting yourself rather to some short-term pain can really prove beneficial. Making things a little bit more inconvenient for yourself can do the same, I think, right? Well, this this weird Orwellian society that we're mm. building, right? We're, we're seeing the tangible results of the book 1984 mm. playing out, right? We're, we're seeing, you know, if we don't like, if, uh, again, not, not to be hypercritical of the current uh, president, right? But... It's hard not to. Yeah. Um, is, is like, you know, we've had two quarters of, you know, lack. We, we didn't grow in two quarters. That constitutes a recession. They're like, no, 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 that's not a recession. Oh, yeah, Rewriting yeah. the dictionary to redefine what that looks like is is in and of itself bad. And there was a phenomenal meme I saw a couple of days ago of two lions. Mm-hmm. One was caged in a zoo and one was free roaming the savannas. Like one of these has 
free healthcare. Mm. One of these is given two to three meals a day. One of these is, you know, free this and then the one caged up. And then the other one has none of those securities, but is free. Right. Yeah. You know, so how free are you if you're reliant on the government for every single thing that you do? Yeah, but you know, the really interesting part about this is that people aren't relied, reliant on the federal government. They think they are because that's what they've been told. Right. But it's not true because I challenge people all the time. Explain to me specifically how your life would alter if the federal government just didn't exist. You know what I mean? Like there would be some infrastructure would be built in the same way it was during feudalist sure. uh, uh, Europe, right? Private wardens or whomever else would build that shit because they needed to make their industry better. You know what I mean? You know, and, like and we would just pe people think people seem to think that if the federal government didn't exist, we would just move back into caves and that'd be the end of it. We just give up. Like, no, that's not how yeah, people yeah, work, no, man. And again, like, like I'm, I'm a fan of a lot of social programs. I have a special needs niece, mm -hmm. right? And so there, there are a lot of things that, that, that she's reliant on. And so yeah. I'm glad that we have some mechanism that we have to provide for that person. But again, like my, my daily life in mm -hmm. and of itself does not require federal government. Right. There are a lot of people though, who are actively choosing to go on government programs, yeah. whether it's government assistance or, mm -hmm. or jobs or you know, like welfare. And again, there are people out there who are struggling, not trying to insult mm -hmm. them or doing that. Yeah, yeah. But there are a lot of people, a lot of Americans today are now too good to work. Yeah. 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 Right. With the minimum wage, like, well, I, you know, the government will give me $15 an hour if mm -hmm. I just stay home. Why do I need to go out and put in any sweat equity right, for that yeah. same $15? Well, because there's no equity at the end of that transaction because it's Absolutely. the government doing it, right? You bet. Like it, that, that's... This is something that I try to tie together for people a lot. The, the same nihilism that drives people to be suicidal or mass shooters or gang members or terrorists, it's the same thing, right? They don't feel ownership in anything around them, their country, their community. They don't own their homes. They don't feel a, a sense of upward mobility in their career. All these things lead you to believe, like, hey, no matter what I do, I'm going to fail, so fuck this, right? right? And then people stop working, and like... Any other physical object, when the bulk of people at the lower level stop functioning, then the, everything collapses. And if this is something that's happened in every major society in the history of this world. And somehow, somehow the aristocracy still runs on the same game plan. <laughs> you know what I mean? And they, I think they hope that, well, at this time we'll actually be able, and it, this is what pisses me off about globalism because it used to be that somebody would come stop you, right? Like if you're Hitler trying to take over all of Europe, somebody's going to come stop you. If you're China trying to expand into different places or if you're Russia trying to expand communism, somebody will come fight you there. But when the power is global, are we going to wait for aliens <laughs> to come save us? You know what I mean? Right. But people will fight back because they always do. You know what I mean? And that's the thing about this. It, it seems very... It seems very myopic, it, and it always works in kind of the same direction where the aristocracy tries to convince as many people with basic functionality in society to be on their side so that there's an, there's a, an infrastructure to fight back against dissent, right? Like the, <clears throat> the communist and the fascists are well known for instituting these, what, what is essentially like rat on your neighbors. Yep programs or even on your families right and that's that's kind of what you saw in not so much in the u.s a little bit in in new york i guess but in canada during the pandemic bullshit like people are just ratting each other out 
for like you went outside of your house without a mask on like yeah because it's fucking fresh air dude right but uh, yeah canada's going crazy i don't know how you fight back against this is one thing i haven't really figured out yet and maybe maybe there's no figuring it out maybe it just happens that uh you know the the kettle boils over at some point and it's just a natural part of society that it the the fighting back happens but it seems like the longer you wait to retaliate against authoritarianism the the more people get hurt you know i i'm i'm trying to i'm a i'm an optimist mm. and i'm a glasses half full kind of guy you know the 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 60s and 70s seemed to be pretty gnarly oh yeah right but then it seemed to self correct mm -hmm. which gave us the 80s and 90s yeah, I think that was mostly cocaine. That Which, did that. <laughs> yeah, I said that in a speech a few mm -hmm. months ago. <laughs> like, uh, right? Um, like, thank, thanks for all the neon and cocaine eighties. Yeah, um, but, and, but, and uh, the DeLorean too. Yeah, forget about the DeLorean. DeLorean yeah. Like, epic, epic <laughs> win right there. Um, but you know, so so I, I I I'm seeing the the tide people trying to turn, and and I, I think our salvation rests with comedians because mm -hmm. they have that free pass to speak truth to power. Right. Yeah. You know, to do, and so, you know, as much as, is I mean, it's intrinsic to the process for them to speak absolutely, that way. Yeah. Absolutely. And so, so what watching just the absolute bipolar love and hatred for Dave Chappelle mm -hmm. is, is absolutely unreal. But yeah. again, he, he delivers comedy yep. in, in a very clean, good way that gets people thinking and mm -hmm. brings up valid points. So, so I'm, I'm very thankful for that. I have a cousin who five years ago sent me a text, uh, about the when when Trump was getting elected and all that stuff, call, she called me a racist. Oh yeah, yeah. Call, yeah. Like she's like, oh, I can't believe this. If da da da. But meanwhile, my oldest son is is homosexual and mm. I think trans, right? Mm. As far as this goes, and 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 that's fine. But but again, it's you know I have opinions that like freedom means getting pissed off from time to time. Yeah. yeah. If we want freedom, um, I need to be offended, and just because you're offended doesn't make you right. Yeah. It kind of makes you a bitch on a whole lot of levels. Yeah. And you're not. You're certainly not entitled to be offended. Right. Well, I mean, yeah, I guess you're entitled to be offended if you want, but you're not like, entitled so to what? expect anybody to care. Absolutely. And, <laughs> right? and like, today, like whenever like, oh, well, he's not going to issue an apology. Good on him. Mm -hmm. People can suck it. Right. If you don't like what I say, you know, fine. So be it. You're not entitled. Like I have my opinion. Mm -hmm. If you disagree, that's fine. That's what grown adults do. Or I'm sorry, specifically adults can disagree and not let it automatically rise to conflict. Right. Yeah. And that's I mean, what I'm seeing. Like we go straight to conflict mm -hmm. every single time these days. It's ridiculous. Well, you know, I think I, I, I think about this a lot and my, I believe I don't think that it's just that things are so agitated and politicized now. I think that we robbed the younger generations of low level conflict resolution. Amen. Right. Like learning how to solve things with your words first and then maybe your fists and then get on to the other business if you need to. But usually it's just not necessary to do that. Like, you know, and then, and then to that point, because everybody got a participation trophy, nobody knew how to lose. Yeah. Nobody had to learn. Nobody learned how to deal with that angst. Mm -hmm. No one learned what it's like when somebody on your team loses the game for you or when you lose the game for your team and having to look them at like, and because they didn't get those and take skills accountability for and, take it too, accountability. Yeah. and because they didn't lack those skills, then they get frustrated as an adult and then go, go grab a rifle. Yeah. But in the same way that you reach muscle failure or tear fascial tissue to rebuild it, those moments are, I hate to sound cliche about it, but those are, they're, they're not even just teachable moments. Just experiencing that shit is really important is a really important part of the process of becoming a, a human being. 
Completely. You know what I mean? Like a six-year-old child is not a functioning human being. You bet. That, that is, they're, they're a sponge soaking up whatever the fuck you do, right? And whatever you say, uh, which is scary sometimes, right? <laughs> right? It's a lot of responsibility. But look, we've been fucking up raising kids for as long as people have been raising kids. Completely. And that's just how it is. I, people get super anxious about it. Like, like, you can do everything right and it still ends up bad. It's like, yeah, sometimes. What yeah, you gotta you, do? You, can't, you can't win. I, I, I hardly have one friend who doesn't have a complaint about their parents in some way, shape or form that they did or didn't do this or yeah. this did or didn't happen yeah. for them. And like, everyone's got childhood trauma because childhood's traumatic. Yeah, it is. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're <clears throat> a lot of things are happening to you and you don't understand most of them. That's got to suck, you know? Right. Yeah. It, it, you don't understand, nor do you have the cognitive ability to understand. Yeah, yeah. It's like you, you can't even mm -hmm. like, like the biggest part in, in life is just having a good vocabulary to explain what you're going through. Right. Like talk through like, I'm mad at you. No, you're just hungry. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you yeah. know, what? but that's yeah. it. Like, okay, but perhaps that's it. Like kids can't do that. And so, you know, they, they suffer not in silence. Right. But, mm. but going through that, but they, they lack the cognitive ability. They lack the vocabulary. It's, it's shit. It's tough. And now life meets them at such an early age because of the internet than right. before there were years and years before they had to experience or see some of these things. And now it's meeting them in their single digits. Yeah. But we're, I mean, people are facing more complex situations earlier in life, but they're maturing later in life Yes, at the same time. It's like our current economic issue where we're experiencing inflation and a recession at the same time. That's not that this is what happened in the 1970s, right? That's not good. Usually it's one or the other. True. You either experience inflation or you experience a recession, depression, or whatever it is. When you do both, you're fucked, right? And it's even, like, more complex when you're talking about a human life and trying to just figure out who you are in the world. You bet. And then try to contribute, you know, in a way. Because I think people want to feel a sense of purpose, certainly. It's intrinsic to our, to our species. Um, the problem is it goes through the filter of your brain. Like an ant knows how to be an ant and what the job is immediately when it's born. And that's just how it is, right? For its entirety, for its entire life. But <clears throat> sometimes people don't really figure out until, until who they are and what they're about and what they really want to do until midlife or, or later sometimes, right? I was 36. Yeah, so it's like, whoa. And I think I, 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 was, I, think I was already an E8. Mm. until I found out what my true passion was. And I was a career tech P and JTAC mm. and I love my job and, and for all intents and purposes, I, I was doing great at my mm. job and, and it was, and it was fine. I was going through and I was happy and I didn't know any better until I found my passion mm. that it's very difficult to do anything else. That's right, not yeah. your passion. Once you figure it out, what was it? I'm assuming your passion is teaching about leadership it and is. leading, right? So what was it? What was it exactly that clicked for you and how, like, what, did you see bad leadership? You're like, I can fix this or what was it? So, um, I had a commander who was just dreadful. Mm. And then the, the E9, the, the chief, was just as bad, if not worse. And the combination of those two at the same time, like, and time and time again, they kept letting me down. And I kept expecting them to do better, mm. and it never happened. So finally, I had to have a talk with myself, and I was like, Tim, like, why am I expecting them to do better when I know they're incapable of mm. it? Because that's that, you know, the de definition of, of insanity, right? And I was like, mm -hmm. why am I expecting this of them? And then it was, hey, what is an expectation? And I shit you not, I've thought about the word expectation every day for the past 11 years 
since then. And it took me four years to define it because everyone says, you know, manage expectations and mm -hmm. set solid expectations. There's not one person on the planet who can tell me what an expectation is, who can point to a definition. Because in the dictionary, it says the act or state of expecting, then it says see assumption. <laughs> the yeah. hookup assumption is like the act or state of assuming no. see expectation. Yep. And then you, you look at that with, uh, you know, an anticipation or you know, assumption, like I call it the triangle of fuckery, mm. where these all define different words, yeah, but yeah. it never gets to the root. Yeah. And so, so, and then, and then my whole life now revolves around an expectation and understanding what expectations are and so, how to communicate that. So what is it? So an expectation is the thought or belief that an act or event will occur based on credible levels of information and or credible levels of past experience. Mm -hmm. And the kicker to this was, and I, did, I really didn't learn, and I've been studying this for like four or five years at the time, and I was a, um, a CSM, for lack of a mm -hmm. better term, at my Joint Mace McGuire Dix Lakehurst. And then I realized that every one of our emotions is based off of an expectation. Mm -hmm. If I'm happy about something, it exceeded my expectation. Which means, by the way, that it's all relative. You bet. Too. You bet. Like there's no iron law for exp experiential stuff. Like right. It's not like I get 20 gra uh, grams of sugar and the rest of my day is going to just be better now. You right. know what I mean? It, does, it's, it would be nice if it worked that way, if it sure. was like a, a very simple formula. But the reality is that it's mostly about setting the expectation, which is, you know, if you follow it too far down, it sounds almost like a scientific hypothesis, right? For but, everything that we do. Right. But it's... It's more, it's more than that because there's, <laughs> it's multivariant because Completely. hope and distress both play a role in that. So, so hope is my bottom tier. So it goes mm -hmm. from hope to assumption to, ex to anticipation mm -hmm. to expectation. Right. And these are all growing things that, that, that we can go toward, right? Mm -hmm. so, so let's say here it is the end of the football season. Oh, wow, my Cleveland Browns did not make the playoffs, right? right. Am I upset? No. My expectation was they would not based on the past 30 years of the Browns being the Browns, right? So, but a few years ago when they did make the playoffs, I was ecstatic because right. they exceeded my expectations. Or if they don't meet it, and that's, that's and the problem with the Browns is not that they suck as a team because they've always been good and competitive, mm. but they always Browns themselves in the mm. last two minutes of the game and snatch defeat from the jaws of victory because I, I go into the game knowing they're going to lose, and then they show that they can win, and right. then they're about to win, yeah, yeah. and then they piss it away somehow, and it adjusts yeah. my expectation, and now I'm butthurt mm -hmm. when that wasn't my expectation going into it. But this isn't uh, this isn't a reason to artificially lower your expectations just so that you'll be pleasantly surprised, right? No, because that's I, loser bullshit. I, it's funny. It's like I have a nickname for those people. They're they're losers. called losers, yeah, right? So like if, if they're the – and again, if you're like, well, if I lower my expectations of everybody, uh, I'll never be d disappointed. You, I guess. You suck, right? right? You, I mean, you just suck as a human being, right? So yeah. that's, that's a, a, I mean, a that's, shitty way to, that's to, to nihilism. go through life. That's nihilism. Absolutely. Or, or, like, or, or when people say, hey, I'll under-promise and over-deliver, mm. that at face value is a better understanding of it. But what you miss is a true capacity for work. Right, yeah. Right? To understand I mean, you, what your people do in some yeah, way, shape, or form. As a businessman, I like to uh, be – I like to set – expectations precisely where I think I can reach but internally for my team I set it 20% higher or more sure right like I here's what I know we can do and here's what we'll deliver and to my team I'm like we're going to do better than what we told them we're going to do that's not that's not for outside consumption no, that's, no and that's, that's your and for, for a person that's your internal drive 
right? Yeah, and, and I'm, I'm the biggest fan of BHAGs, right? Big, hairy, mm. audacious goals. Yeah. Have those by all means. But again, because like people say like high or low expectations, if you have a high or low expectation, you don't have an expectation. Right. You should only deal in realistic versus unrealistic expectations. I mean, if you're, if you're submitting a white paper for funding from a university to do research on something and you are using these very, uh, I, I, I wouldn't even struggle to call them illogical, but certainly unreasonable and unfact-driven hypotheses, sure. high or low expectations. Uh, if you did get the money the first time, you certainly wouldn't get it the second or third if you're that far off base. You, bet. you know what I mean? So, and it's like a pendulum, you know, it, the, the, the more it swings, the longer it takes to come to equilibrium. You know what I mean? The farther it pulls back, the wider the swings are and the longer it takes to reach the point where you actually want to be. Absolutely. And it's, you know, it's not an argument not to take big risks, obviously, but you should be realistic about things. You know sure. what I mean? And part of that realism, in my opinion, <clears throat> is knowing when you're out of your depth and when you need help, whether it's in research, education, learning how to do, learning how to fight gunfights, or whether it's business or whether it's your personal mental health, right? Sure. You have to know when you're out of your depth. Stop self-diagnosing <laughs> and, and talk to people that actually know what the fuck is going on. Yeah, Preferably it, somebody who has been where you are now and is now at the place where you want to be, right? You know, the, the world is filmed with people who've had sex twice who now think that they're a porn star. Right. And like, just, just stop. Yeah, You've gotten yeah, laid yeah. twice. Right. You, you need a few more reps. You need a few more partners yeah. before we do that. And so like that, that is pervasive throughout mm -hmm. everything that, that, that we see, like just, just take a step back, have some internal, just some, some self-reflection, yeah, yeah. take an honest look at what's at play. And again, if you don't know, just have that kind of like, well, I don't know. Like you may not know what, how big of a risk you're taking. Mm -hmm. There there's, there's no problem with that. Sure. Just give yourself the capacity to debrief that after the fact mm -hmm. and not, and not beat yourself up too much about it. Yeah. And it's definitely, you know, part of just having no appetite for discomfort at all. And it's, right. I think people don't even want to be wrong about things and they will believe a lie that they think is true or that they said rather than admit they were wrong and move on to the truth. It's bizarre to me because literally everything you know you were wrong about all the way up until the point that you knew it and that is true for you and it's true for every person that's ever existed you and bet. ever will exist so why would that be such a difficult thing for people to accept i don't understand it personally. so I, I i have analogy for for being wrong okay and, and people have said like chachi this could be your best idea ever mm. right so let's say that you're going to come to my house in phoenix arizona mm. and i'm going to cook you chicken breast and you and I cook some chicken breast, put it in front of you. It's golden. It's seasoned. Mm. Looks great. You cut right through it. In the middle is that weird, opaque purple, mm. kind of raw. Yeah, yeah. And you're like, hey, Chachi, with my with my Mark One calibrated eyeball here, I can see that this chicken breast is 51% cooked. Yeah. Can you put it back on the grill. <laughs> I'm like, no, 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 no. It's cooked. The timer said it's good. So yeah, it's good. Yeah. You're, no, you're, you're like, no, no, no. You're like, I, I get that it's 51% cooked, but there's a whole lot of raw chicken here. I'm like, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. By your own words. It's more cooked than it is raw, sure, yeah. so, so yeah. chow down. So I think we all see the lunacy in that argument. Yeah, it's but that's what we do when we're right and wrong. Mm -hmm. The minute we're more right than we are wrong, we, we, uh, we hoist a flag, we declare mm -hmm. a winner, spike do the, the football, discount, yeah. double check, yeah, yeah. spike, spike yeah. the football, and we never acknowledge the percentage of wrong that we bring mm -hmm. or, that, or, or eat that raw chicken. Yeah. Right? And we make so many people eat raw chicken because we are rarely, if ever, 100% about right about anything. So what is our capacity 
to have that conversation. So like if I'm if I'm a garrison CSM, mm-hmm. could I be 90% right about something and ignore the 10% of wrong mm-hmm. that I brought to the conversation if it would make my unit or my base or my installation that much better? Mm-hmm. Or should I have that capacity for that 10%? And I think I should. Well, there's a lot of things involved there, right? I mean, ego is a big part of it. Completely. Pride of authorship, generally speaking, is something that people have an issue with. And, you know, I don't know. It seems like... Um, it seems like there are social forces at work to stop people from being gracious in defeat as well. So like if you all, all of a sudden find new evidence or somebody makes a compelling argument about something that changes your mind on something, particularly on something political, you're a flip-flopper now. You're a sellout. You're this or that. It's like, okay, I mean, you shouldn't be jumping from pedal to pedal. But, you know, if somebody comes to you – so I, I remember um, – when Ken Ham, he's the guy that does the Creation Museum in Kentucky, okay. where people are riding dinosaurs and shit, which is an interesting idea. <laughs> Would love to do it myself, but doesn't seem likely it ever happened. Um, he was debating Bill Nye, who's not even a scientist. He's a mechanical engineer. But, you know, they asked the two of them, the moderator asked the two of them, uh, it was a debate about evolution, right? And the, the moderator asked both of them, what would it take for you to change your opinion on this? And Ken Ham said, uh, nothing will change my opinion because this is what I believe from the Bible and uh, uh, Bill and I said evidence, right? And I, this isn't about religion. It's like Paul said in the Bible, study all things and hold fast to what is true. He didn't say blindly follow all of this. You know what I mean? Which is interesting because a lot of people do that and not just in religion. When there's no religion around, people create that shit because right now it's like climate change is religion for people. They think that the world is fucking ending. And I promise you it is not. No. And then, so, and then like, for me, this ends up, I like amongst, amongst friends, I don't talk about war. Mm. I don't talk about politics. I don't talk about religion mm. because most people lack the emotional intelligence mm. to have these conversations. Now, the problem is it's not their opinion. It's their beliefs. Right. Yeah. I can change an opinion with enough facts, but if it's a belief system, that's really, really difficult to take a crack at. So I just don't want to engage stupid people. Mm. And again, not, not like, very intelligent people. But who can't concede any point whatsoever? Sure, yeah, and uh, you know my buddy Mike Schellenberg. I don't know if you're familiar with him, um, but he does. He he is a journalist that uh, writes about homelessness, and now he's been researching climate change for a long time. When he writes books about whatever subject it is he's working on at the time, he will. He says, "I don't use. I don't ever say any politician's name or political party's name because when you say things like." Obama or Biden or Trump or Republican or Democrat, smart people get really stupid really fast. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, because sure. for some reason they've they've intrinsically linked these external things that, by the way, don't give two fucks about them to their core identity. Right. Right. And you like I I like to have those conversations because I like to unwrap that shit from around people's identity. Like you this bet. isn't who you are. This is something you believe. Right. Talk to me about who you are. That's what I want to hear. You know, and like John, John Stewart, I thought was phenomenal. He's like, you know, some, somehow we adopted this thing to where no matter who you voted for, like you have to be identified by the negative monolith <laughs> associated yeah. with that, right? Yeah. So whether you voted for Biden and or Trump, yeah, yeah. like my cousin wrote me, because I voted for Trump, mm. I had to be personified by every single negative trait that he had yeah. or could possibly have rather than, right, I... I wanted something different in government. 
Yeah, not because you wanted uh, like a secure border and good foreign trade policy. Yeah, no. Just because not. you right. like he like you they they just quote him back to right. you. Right, because I'm the heterosexual Christian oh, white on. male and the bane of society. All right, we're back again, boys. All sorts of editing to be done here. Uh, anyways, yeah, it's 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 you know it it becomes to me that is a function of people wanting to be right not wanting to get to the right answer. Yeah, and they and you know, it's them valuing their rightness over the relationship at hand. Right. Which it doesn't benefit anyone, no. right? Uh one of my favorite authors and scientists was Carl Sagan and he used to say that for me it's far greater to accept the universe as it is rather than persist in delusion regardless of how gratifying it is. Because if the building catches on fire and I make a vision board that says I'm going to be okay in this room, well, guess what, bud? I'm going to die of smoke inhalation very fast. That's how that works, right? And so, you know, I, we're so comfortable. We're so uncomfortable with discomfort that we're comfortable with lying to ourselves about stuff. And it's that might be, you know, Nature has a way of weeding people out sometimes. It has a way of uh, throwing some pestilence our way from time to time and, and, and shrinking populations, or maybe it's just coincidence. Who knows, right? But it happens, and maybe this is part of it. Maybe this, maybe this strong men create uh, uh, soft times, create soft men, is just something that we can't stop. And your goal should be to train hard men to make sure that your DNA propagates throughout the, the, the years. Right. Yeah. You know, I, I, I honestly home, uh, hope so. Right. Uh, Matt, Matt Boudreaux, I don't know if you follow mm -hmm. him, right. I near, I, he's hit almost godlike status to me. Like absolutely love it. And then, you know, like uh, a few weeks ago, my, my 17 year old was kind of not acting up in school, but just wasn't doing homework. Mm -hmm. And again, not bad work because he's phenomenal, gr great intellect, just got a case of the lazies, right. right it yeah. wasn't doing homework. So his mom and I were kind of coming down on him and blah, 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 blah. And then very flippantly, you know, he's like, well, I guess, I guess I'll just do what I'm told from here on out. I'm like, and then something, again, think about Lisa, it just kind of snapped him. I was like, yeah, tell, like, like buckle up. Life hasn't begun to fuck you yet. Yeah, I know, right? right? I was like, hey, tell you what, take that advice, <laughs> do whatever you're told starting now mm -hmm. for the next 70 years and then die. Right. Do what you're told. Yeah, exactly. Right. Mm -hmm. I'm like, but it, it came up like it was odd that it, that was the flippant comment. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Please, by all means, do do what you're told. Right. Yeah, it's kind of weird. You need to learn that. Because I was like, I've got bosses. Your your mom's got mm -hmm. bosses. Right. You kids are my bosses mm -hmm. because you effectively tell me what to do to provide for the family. Yeah. And, I, you know, I, it's why I like to people talk about leading from the front a lot. <clears throat> and I think that's. uh to me, that that idea is kind of passe. It's like it's wrapped in machismo. You, I I like to subscribe. It's that platitude shit. Yeah, it's nonsense. I I like to think of 360 degree leadership. No matter what I'm doing, where I am, there are people I'm responsible for, and that is that intrinsically makes you a leader. If you're aware enough to realize you're in a situation where other people depend on you, you are a leader. That's the end of the story, right? It doesn't matter what level of authority you have. Right. And 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 unfortunately for us competency and levels of authority don't really have any kind of ratio to one another. It's just kind of random, right? A lot of the time. 
it, it, it really isn't. And, and sadly, from my limited experience, I'll go ahead and say that, but on, on the civilian side of things mm. is that people are promoted based off of technical competence sure, rather yeah. than leadership prowess. It's the Peter principle, right? Right. You've heard of that. Yes. It's like you, you rise to the level of your own incompetence, essentially. Yes. Yeah. You, you know, but, but, you know, like, but like just let's say you're an amazing computer programmer, mm -hmm. right? So you're absolutely a rock star. Well, you get, you get 100 people put underneath you. Your, your skill set may not be that sure, that yeah. you know how to lead a hundred different people and you don't through no fault of your own right and you know technical competency doesn't equal leadership absolutely and you know you don't necessarily have to have technical expertise to be a leader on something like project management doesn't like p if you go take pmi right mm -hmm. it doesn't teach you how to <clears throat> build and manage tech teams or industrial teams it teaches you how to build and manage teams, right? And those lessons are applied ubiquitously depending on what you're doing. And I think that's why a lot of people coming out of the military, there's two reasons that I think they have a lot to offer outside of just consulting on TV to make sure it looks cool, right? Uh, right. The leadership that's been tested is a big thing for me. And the confidence in your own leadership is that it's been put through the crucible and then your competence to lead by example as well, which I think is a big part of that. People don't do things because they don't know they can do things. Sure. And when they see other people do them, typically what they try to do is shoot farther than that person. Think about like people that do stunts or tricks like Travis Pastrana, for example, saw Evil Knievel do some shit and he's like, I can do better than that. Right. You know what I mean? And he did quite a bit better as a matter of fact. So, you know, Travis didn't have to tell anybody to follow, Evil Knievel didn't have to say, hey kids, one day you can do this because every kid that was watching was like, oh shit, I wanna do that. But they never would have even had that thought had he not done it. You bet. So that part of leadership and the, the ability to perform calmly and rationally when there's chaos all around you is probably the most important skill that you bring out of combat. Completely. Because it only takes <clears throat> group psychology is is bizarre uh it, it makes me think there's more going on than just what's going on inside of our heads <laughs> like there's something additional going on energy going between us i mean we know there's rfi flying around everywhere but um the way that people can sense each other being nervous and stuff and how it will flow through the group and you could see it sometimes flow through the group and how one person saying, Hey, get your fucking shit together. Let's go. We'll end that shit immediately. Right. right. I've seen that a lot actually. And that's a, that's a, it's a skill, I guess, but it's also a gift to have acquired that skill because you are now prepared to do things that most people can't do. Sure. Whether you've been in the military or a first responder of some sort or had harrowing experiences, an ER doctor, whatever it is, when shit goes down, you know you can perform, right? Right. And people can, you don't have to have that experience to perform. You, some people just do it automatically. You never know what's gonna happen until the bullets start flying. But to get a good group effort, the more people that know they can do shit, everybody else piggybacks off of that confidence. And that's a huge gift. And it's probably something that comes across in your leadership classes quite a bit. Like people can't, if, if, <laughs> if some, there's a bunch of like people that have never done anything in life selling business advice 
on the internet. It's like, you got rich by telling other people how to get rich, but you never actually did anything. Right. But it, nobody can really question you and John Siak. Yeah. Or John, John Troxell. John, John, John you know, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's funny because I got, there's like really so much to unpack with that mm. entire statement. So number one, like the cool thing that I like about what you said there is what you didn't say is like the best thing about the military is, is the discipline because and it, uh, we may have mentioned this on, on mm. the drinking bros before is, is that we were sold a bad bill of goods, right? In basic training, we're like, Hey, we are an amazing military because we're going to teach you discipline. You're going to be a oh, well-disciplined force. No. Like, no, 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 no. And if you're still serving, listen yeah. up, right? Because that's not discipline, what you're yeah. taught. That's obedience. Yeah, that's not the same thing. And again, there's a time for obedience, mm-hmm. right? On the battlefield, sure. right? Combat direction. There's right. a time and a place for that. But there's also the LGOP, the little group of paratrooper, right? Yes. A lot of people don't know about this stuff. I think <laughs> we may have met, talked about it when you were on last. or some, we, we talked about it with somebody around that time. But as an infantryman, paratrooper... We hit the ground, and I've got 45 minutes to go kill everything I can find until I'm supposed to link up with my unit, right? So it's a little bit of organized chaos. To it, it, it's, it's almost like throwing a jab to get some standoff. You know what I mean? So you Absolutely. can maneuver and throw yep. a punch. That is, that's a very disciplined thing that happens right there, but it's complete chaos. It's not obedience. It's chaos. Right. You know what I mean? It's a good example of what you're talking about, and it's absolutely correct. You know, and 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 then and then to like t- taking that further, or what happens, you know, in the outside, or why people like the military, or why military people are so successful. Again, your point is that, you know, if there's a urgent thing that happens at Black Rifle Coffee, mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, I will get this done, mm-hmm. right? I'm not getting shot at right now. Yeah, yeah I know, right? A little I'll perspective is nice. Right? And, yeah. and, and it's tough because like we, we can all say, they're like, oh, we're fine, or other people mm. are coming unglued yeah. around us. Well, people say it flippantly, but it's like, did you die? <laughs> yeah, but did you? You know what yeah. I mean? It's like, uh, what is that? It's, uh, uh, it's a hang, The yeah, hangover? Yeah. 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 Ken, uh, Ken Jung? Yeah. You know, and, and, and it's it's absolutely spot on. Like, so other people are losing their mind and coming unglued like, we're going to be fine. So the, right? the, the lesson there, by the way, is that, like I said, it's a gift. Fucked up shit happens in life. You bet. And at all levels. It doesn't have to be like a mass casualty event or or an emergency, uh, like a weather emergency or something. Just when you see good order and discipline breaking down in whatever unit you're in, whether it's your community or your workplace or whatever, or your family even, like you have the skills, whether you've thought about it in that context or not, you have the skills and the experience to be able to uh, positively affect that situation and make sure good decisions are made instead of... You know, the political thing to do these days is to make really bad authoritarian decisions to to stop stuff that we don't want to happen. Right. Which is, you know, that's weakness. That's weakness. And, and it tears at the underbelly of our liberty. And, and then it's in, in, in a military context. Like, I, I hate it. Like something bad happens. So they write a policy letter. Yeah, oh my right. God. So like policies or organizational scar tissue. Some yeah. bad shit happens. Mm. I'll write a policy letter. This bad shit happens. So here's this letter saying this bad shit will never happen again. Like, mm. but it doesn't capture all the variables. Yeah. So inevitably, it's it's really going to happen again. Or kind of the antithetical part to that is you're in the military. So, somebody screws up, and then the commander or senior enlisted makes a knee jerk reaction. Mm-hmm. Like, what? I don't know. Did they make a knee jerk reaction, or did you lift their leg up for them? Right, because a lot of times we yeah. lift their leg up and yeah. force them to take action, yeah. but we never hear that side of the argument. Right. Too. Yeah. yeah, it's a good point. Um, before we get out of here, talk to me about what you're doing at Black Rifle. Yeah, so uh, uh, Black Rifle, I, I'm sure a, a lot of the, the viewers are, are aware, uh, amazing organization mm-hmm. went public uh, early last year, February 10th of, of last year. So uh, seeing uh, amazing growth. 
uh, and and not just growth, but evolution mm-hmm. of a company started by some amazing enlisted dudes, and now it's a billion dollar organization ran by some amazing yeah. enlisted dudes, yeah. which is which is pretty fun. And so, uh, you know, I've been working in Black Rifle for a little over a year. Was doing some strategic partnerships, uh, working with influencers. Recently, building out uh, their 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 travel program, and now kind of moonlighting, just kind of augmenting the the philanthropic side of mm-hmm. Black Rifle with both corporate charitable giving and the Black Rifle Fund and figuring out what we can do not only in 2023, but moving forward to give good, tangible help mm-hmm. to veterans, first responders, law enforcement, fire, all that kind of stuff. And again, like we, we, we've been doing great work and we handed out like $1.2 million last year. I think in the last two years have been mm-hmm. roughly that, that, that same number. And it's been amazing. But like right. we're really trying to reinforce our efforts and give meat and good effort, growth, experience, understanding. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's, we, we've done, when I was involved with the organization, we did a lot of charity, um, you know, in the early days, but just in the last two years, I think you guys have met the same monetary amount that we did in the first five years of the company. You know what I mean? Which is great because it's always been about that. That's, that's always been something, despite all the stupid bullshit that people on, on the internet say, about whatever dumb thing is happening. Um, you know, this Black Rifle, I mean, they're my friends, obviously, but and, I, and I've worked there, but they've, they've taken great pains to make sure that they give back where, wherever they could in, in ways that make sense to them, and I've always appreciated that. You bet, and I, I think we're going to be a lot more deliberate this year in telling that story, mm-hmm. right? So we've, we've, we've never wanted to uh, make that the focus point, not mm-hmm. like we're doing anything for press or right, yeah, doing yeah, all that stuff, yeah, but yeah. at the end of the day, People aren't seeing the true benevolent nature of Black Rifle and what we've tangibly done and given back to the veterans. So uh, st- stay tuned on all Black Rifles social media, and you're, you're going to see this year all the things that we've been doing. Mm-hmm. But now, now we're going to give you proof. Okay. Do you got any uh, examples of that? Just out of curiosity. I mean, I know the Veteran Adaptive Athlete thing is a big media event. Yeah, the Veteran the Adaptive yeah. Athlete shoot that's happening here in uh, April in mm-hmm. in San Antonio. That that's going to be huge. Uh, we're going to try and maybe uh, get different opportunities for that. Mm-hmm. You know, we've been sending approximately 40,000 bags a month-ish downrange mm-hmm. to, to different people and units that, that, that request it. Uh, we did that. We helped support uh, the World War One Memorial, oh, the yeah, National yeah. World War One Memorial yeah. that's in Kansas City. And that was that was sending them, you know, like $8,000 worth of coffee right, yeah. just to let people there know that, hey, that memorial's not in D.C., very, very overlooked. Mm-hmm. But we, we care about that history, too. Yeah. And yeah. so uh, really Well, good that's actually the dip. second time we've hit that place up because we, we originally sponsored – the Missouri Mavericks, okay. the hockey, like an ECHL hockey team there, and part of the proceeds went to that World War oh, One mu- museum as well. As a matter of fact, Gary Stevens designed uh, their hockey sweater for the game, the memorial game for that. That's awesome. It was dope. So, yeah, we've been involved in that stuff for a long time. And it's like, you know, it's, it's, it's good to remember those things because that war especially sucked. That was like – Technology got to a level, but our tactics didn't reach that level. So people were in 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 trenches, just getting bombed with with poison gas, basically. Right? It, it was it was it was un, un, unreal. And I mean, and that was hell on. Like when you think about some kind of dystopian situation with uh, nuclear fallout in the atmosphere and stuff like that floating around, and people just getting radiation poisoning and dying where they where they stand. That's what World War One was. In a lot of these places, oh, Europe was, and the and the civilian casualties. Yeah. 
were just just catastrophic. And so if you're in Kansas City, Missouri, go to the uh, Liberty Memorial, mm-hmm. uh, the National World War One Memorial there. It's it's absolutely phenomenal. But again, like, uh, you know, we've got a list of going back to the Black Rifle as far as philanthropy, like 14 different organizations that right now I think we're kind of earmarked mm-hmm. to give about three hundred and fifty thousand dollars to just like just those 14. Right. But again, not just and again and but and then we want it like 65 percent of our efforts is going to go to support veteran owned and operated businesses right and again like we we've been giving out checks which is really great mm-hmm. but we really want to give them opportunity yeah, yeah. you want to give them enough to build money something for themselves to yeah. build something yeah. for, for themselves and not not necessarily in a venture capitalist type of way right. as far as percentages but but give them to to clear some obstacles yeah, for yeah. them to, yeah. to really find success teach a man to fish right absolutely yeah well, look, I appreciate you coming on today. Uh, is there anything else you'd like to share with these guys before we get out of here? No, no, I, I appreciate everybody uh, tuning in. Uh, these these podcasts, I, mm. I believe, are absolutely uh, essential. Um, sadly, you have to do a lot more deliberate looking online in yeah. different areas to find this type of content. So yeah. I really appreciate you taking the time. I'm sorry, not just taking the time, but making the right. time to do this, to put out <laughs> these these great opportunities for people to glean information. Yeah, well, we have a good time. You bet. And I like, it's it's mostly for me, to be honest, because I like to know. Fair. But, you know, the byproduct is hopefully stuff that people like. <laughs> um, well, look, I appreciate you coming today. I'm sure you're busy. you got stuff to do. We're going to get out of here. But uh, thanks for coming. Thank you all for listening. This has been Citizen. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.